Welcome to the Mustang Owners Podcast. And now your host, John Clore. Welcome, everybody, and welcome more, most heartily from your favorite podcast of the month, and that is the Ford Performance Edition of the Mustang Owners Podcast episodes. And tonight we've got another special guest, and we've got some news. And then, of course, we have my fabulous co-host, Mike Ray. Mike Ray is the president of the Mustang Owners Club of Southeastern Michigan and my favorite club guru. Mike, thanks for joining us again tonight. Absolutely. We're going to have some fun tonight. Well, um, as your enthusiast communications manager for Ford Performance, uh, I would be amiss if I didn't bring in some information that probably isn't great for Ford people tonight. Uh, this week after we celebrated uh, Global Mustang Week and Global Mustang Day, we heard earlier that we lost two heroes of ours in the Mustang world. One was the passing of Kenny Brown, uh, who many of us have known for many, many years. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Kenny Brown was, um, Kenny was the uh, car builder and crew chief for this Steve Celine winning Mustangs back in the late 80s. And then he went on to build his own company, Kenny Brown Performance. And that's when I met him at Auto Week, and I drove all of the great Kenny Brown cars from that shortened MN12 Thunderbird 5-liter to, believe this or not, Mike, he had a hot rod Windstar. That was Kenny Brown. Everybody who worked at Ford knew him. He was a suspension guru and um, worked hand-in-hand with many of the racers and race car drivers and had a wonderful career, and we're going to miss him dearly. What a tremendous attribute he was to the Mustang community. And then we also... Uh, found out that another one of our, I'd call heroes in, in racers, was um, uh, a Ford GT uh, uh, superstar, uh, David Robertson. David and Andrea Robertson co-drove their uh, Ford GT race cars at Le Mans in June of 2011. This is well before Ford uh, fielded a Le Mans uh, factory race team. And they made history as the first married couple to ever co-drive a car in the in the history of Le Mans, and to top it off, they, they won. If you've ever met uh, David Robertson or his wife, Andrea, they are just absolutely wonderful people. Um, you could go down to the pit row and just talk Fords, and they a very special couple and a very uh, important uh, contribution they made to the Ford racing history. And, of course, uh, losing him was kind of a surprise again. So with that sad news, we don't really bring this into the podcast tonight to be sad. We want to celebrate these two wonderful people who have um, really made a difference. And speaking of people who really made a difference, uh, our guest tonight is our longtime friend, Nick Terzes. Nick Terzes has been a Ford engineer as long as I can remember. And uh, I can remember a long way, but uh, Nick has moved on through the system so far that he may have started uh, when I started hanging out with Nick um, at Ford SVT. Back in the day, he was doing everything until he wound up being a body engineer on the GT500. And then when I moved to racing, Nick kept moving on and he worked a truck. And then eventually, believe it or not, by the time I got to Ford Performance, Nick was the engineer on the, the new Ford GT. Talk about the Halo product in the world. And then Mike, the whole time that we've known Nick since his Mustang days, and now I understand he's working on uh, planning for uh, SEMA. Uh, so think, think of all the fantastic cars that have to go with a Ford badge on them to SEMA. But Nick has been our go-to guy. And Mike, you, I know you can back me up on this because 
Nick isn't just a Ford engineer. He's a Ford enthusiast first. And how many times when we were in a pinch, do we call Nick Terzis to bail us out? Mike, I know you've done it a million times yourself. Oh, absolutely. And that's how me and Nick uh, actually got to meet each other was organizing for a special display he was having at Woodward. And we were just working together to get everything done. And I've had the pleasure over the years to work with him personally and professionally. Um, when I was on um, product uh, specialist for the, the Ford products, I uh, got put on super duty and I come to find out that that client was Nick Terzis and I felt super comfortable and got a big smile on my face. It was nice going into the, knowing somebody you already know. And then, like I said, all the personal um, workings we do with Woodward and um, Mustang memories and any other little events that we can possibly put together. He spoke at the Moxa meetings and showed some really cool badges and told some great stories behind the scenes. So, and I think this is still true, John and Nick, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Nick and Denby, I believe, are probably the longest involved with Team Mustang that have still been like from way back when to current, right? I would, yeah, Steve Denby is, is still at Ford. And uh, Nick, I, I know, uh, first of all, Nick, thank you very much for joining us tonight. I know you're a busy guy, but this this time with us is is fabulous. I'm just really excited to have you. Thanks. Thanks a lot. You're, you're really welcome. Um, and I just want to say, yeah, thoughts certainly out to... Uh, to Kenny and David's family. Um, I mean, everybody that uh, ran Mustangs back in the 80s, 90s remembers, you know, a lot of the parts that Kenny helped uh, produce. And I mean, David, you know, campaigning a GT when when we didn't with that GT back in 05 and doing it successfully, um, you know, great stories. So they'll be missed. Yeah, I mean, those are great Ford people. Uh, and, you know, I had to bring that in, Nick, not to rain on your parade, because when we talk about great Ford people, I remember... When you came in, I thought, God, that guy's pretty young. You know, we were, I'm on the communication side and, you know, I'm doing the, the marketing and the website, but Nick, I have to tell you that from the time I met you at SVT, uh, I, you know, you could tell you were different. You had the passion for the product and you're always willing to help on the marketing side. A lot of engineers are, you know, you have your own deliverables, but you didn't just talk to talk. You, I mean, you walked the walk because when we would go to stuff and Mike would have an event or something, you were there. So the, the fact that you were an enthusiast first and then, you know, followed your passion, I guess, and your dream to become, how did you get into SVT after you, after you joined Ford? Yeah, it's, you know, it's a funny, it's, it's certainly a funny story. Like a lot of them are, you know, sometimes it's perseverance and takes a little luck. Um, I mean, for me though, just, it all started because of my family. Uh, both my parents worked at Ford. I had aunts and uncles, both sides, grandparents, fourth generation on my mom's side uh, as a Ford employee. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate because my dad worked in a plant. Uh, my mom was a, a manager in Ford Customer Service Division. So um, I learned kind of both sides of the business, if you will, and just how to work, I would say, very well um, with the different personnel. And, you know, when I started, I actually worked at Chrysler when I got out of school, but uh, quickly got to Ford because that's where I always wanted to be. And um, I worked at the, you know, the plant. I worked at Dearborn Assembly Plant which was great because I got lucky there. My boss at the time had Taurus and Sable and Mustang. And my first week at Ford was uh, at uh, Atlanta and Chicago assembly plants. I jumped between the two. And then I told him how much I love Mustang and he, he let me go there. And, and that's where things really took off. Cause once I got to that old great plant, um, I just kind of sunk my, uh, my fangs in and would not let go. And after that, when they, they saw kind of the enthusiasm I had, I was probably too young and dumb to, to know some of the things I would say and do uh, that might be 
way above my pay grade, but I just went after it. It helped kind of get me noticed. And at the time, what got me over to SVT eventually, Tom Bohenick, who people may know was a program manager on the on the Cobra, and they were working on the the two, you know the Terminator Cobra. We had just started working on the launch plans for that, and uh, working with him closely, eventually uh, an opportunity came up, and he asked me if I'd be interested in in coming over. And uh, before you know it, they they were willing to let me move organizations and get over to SVT. Oh, that was that was a great time. I have and what a great program that was. Working for John Coletti, a lot of people uh, know John from the SN95 program. John is a, was a warrior, uh, a very strong-willed, uh, probably the toughest Ford manager I've worked for, but it most likely, Nick, the most enjoyable, because he too was an enthusiast. And even though he was tough, he wanted what we all wanted, which was to have great cars for these fellow enthusiasts. And I know you had faced the, the wrath of working for him, but you had to appreciate his passion as well. Completely. I viewed him kind of like General Patton, right? <laughs> I mean, it's it's real simple. You, you follow or you're gone. Um, I loved the way the group operated was also really great. I mean, back in those days, SVT was a very small group and it was primarily made up of true enthusiasts, people that wanted to be there, were willing to work extra hours, had hands-on experience. And, you know, I, I just kind of look at it like you had a lot of worker bees and then you had a, a main leader, right? And John was great at, he'd listen to you, you know, he'd, uh, if you bring the data to him, he'd listen to you and then he'd make the decision and you might not like it. You might be able to ask once or, you know, once, not twice, once <laughs> if you disagreed, but, and then you followed it. And that's, that's the thing, right? We could have very candid conversations, um, but you knew where the buck stopped all the time. It was a, a simple manner to work. Yeah. And what people may not know is everybody today talks about, oh, we own a cross-functional group and SVT pioneered that. I mean, Nick, the reason why you knew all of us on the marketing and communication side is because we sat in the same meeting. Yeah. I mean, I was on the one wall, you were on the other. Coletti was at one side of the table and either Tim Boyd or Tom Scarpello was at the other. And when we go to an event, John, the engineer or chief engineer was asking questions about what people said. That wasn't just through the marketing channels. We were talking to each other, interfacing with each other in a tiny little room. And then, you know, we, we tried to bury the hatchet by ordering some pizza. It worked. It was a person, it was a, it was a personal environment, right? I mean, we always got the job done. And again, it was that ability to just be honest with one another. You could have your fights and stuff, but at the end of the day, we all had the goal, the same goal, which was to win, to make the best performance vehicles and to win and, you know, never, ever, ever to compromise that expectation. And we did. I mean, you look at the products now, the word iconic gets thrown around so much. Yeah. But I certainly believe that uh, many of the SPT products that, that uh, you know, those teams put out, well, you see where they're at. I mean, you just look at what people are paying for them now, right? That that tells you something. Yeah. They're special. Well, Mike Ray's been bugging me, I would say forever, but it hasn't been forever. I just saw John Coletti recently at a retirement party just a couple weeks ago, and I begged him to come on the podcast. John hasn't done anything with Ford since his retirement after SVT, but I, I think I've got him talked into it. So, Nick, if I do get him, you got to listen in on that night. And, Mike, I know you're planning a big SVT party in the near future. Yes, uh, 2023, we're going to be uh, celebrating 30 years of SVT, so it's going to be a Huge, huge event at Mustang Memories. Finally back at World Headquarters next year. Ever since I've been involved with uh, Moxham and running Mustang Memories at the headquarters, 
I don't ever remember one without seeing Nick there. And I know there's been times where he had to leave the country and within hours, whatever, but he's always made time to make an appearance, whether it's short or long and just always, um, he's just always there. And uh, I greatly appreciate that and more than he would ever possibly know. No, I appreciate it, Mike. I mean, I've been uh, going to Mustang memories for many, many years. It's kind of where it started on a, when I first got my first Mustang, was able to, you know, take it to a show. Uh, but you guys, you and the team do such a great job with it. And when you consider the growth of it and how it's recognized in terms of all Mustang shows across the nation, if you put on a, an amazing, amazing event, people love it. People want to be there. Certainly, that's why I make uh, make sure I make my presence known. Um, <laughs> it's it's wonderful. It's great. No, great yeah. people. What, what people don't realize, Nick, is that uh, the day before Mustang Memories, uh, a lot of people know about Mustang Alley. And uh, the, the people that the army that it takes to put that effort together uh, run first by for help some some clubs. And then eventually the Ford volunteers got involved. And then we when Mike and I were not surprised to see the guy heading up to that team putting Mustang Alley, it was some guy named Nick Terzis. How did you get dragged into that? Yeah, you know, Mustang Alley, I'll tell you, and I'm glad it just keeps going. Right. You know, we've kind of passed the torch since I was working on it, but uh it was um, me and two other friends that were kind of the three captains during the era that I did it, uh, you know, in, in a captain role for a few years, uh, Matt Soroka and Joe Frank. And, you know, what happened where I got like really heavily involved is when we started to do the track event portion at our proving grounds. And so, you know, those that have been uh, might know about that and were a part of it, uh, we would bring in a handful of customers and bring them into the proving grounds, right? The hollow Dearborn proving grounds uh, behind the gate. And let them, you know, actually drive vehicles, and then we would take them for hot laps. And so we would do that, and that was kind of my role was to manage that, get the test vehicles, uh, get the drivers, um, be a driver actually, which was a lot of fun. And uh, then, of course, the next day, you know, would be the the main event on Saturday, which we all know, you know, that for us starts at like four or five in the morning uh, when we're getting out there and setting stuff up. But uh, from the very first year that I was at the company. And uh, we would start to, we would go down um, Art Hyde, who I'm sure people remember, right? Chief on Mustang. We would actually get a group of Ford employees together and we would go down to, to the Dream Cruise on Friday. But before that, we would meet as a group at World Headquarters. We'd watch videos in the auditorium. And then uh, something that, of course, you know, with the way times are now, they don't allow anymore. Uh, but we would all ceremoniously leave World Headquarters the only way we knew how, which was to each do a burnout in our Mustang, leaving world headquarters in the middle of a workday. So uh, I've got some great pictures of what the lot looked like uh, after those events. A lot of fun. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. No. Nick, so, that, that's, you admitted that on the Mustang Owners Podcast. I can't believe it. And I have to tell you, ladies it. and gentlemen, in case you don't realize it, that's experiential. What you did, Nick, can you imagine today if we brought people over to the Mustang proving or the proving grounds at Dearborn, let people in on, on Woodward day, talk about experiential marketing. I mean, remember the magic you felt when you walked into Dearborn assembly and you looked down into that wood block floor and knew some of those bolts were from made for world war II and model days. I mean, isn't that just freaky? Well, that's, that's what it's about, right? People, they want, they own Mustangs and they know about the Mustang experience, you know, those that are part of this community, but then they want to know how is it done? What makes it special? And when you can get on the inside a little bit, when you bring them in, you show them how special it is to, to us, the ones that are actually, you know, 
doing the work, doing the engineering, doing the development, doing the marketing. And it kind of, it helps connect them more, connects them with us. Of course, we've developed these great friendships and relationships, but they can see the how genuine it is, um, the passion that goes behind making a car like Mustang. And it's the reason that this product has lasted so long and is so special to, to people, giving them a chance, right, to to get behind, even if it's only for a couple of hours, it was really, really special. And uh, it worked really well because we <laughs> we would hear about it. Everybody would try to, you know, year over year. The thing was, um, if you went one year, then that was that was it, right? You couldn't yeah. come the next year, so we could always right. open it up for new people. And you'd always find people that would find a way because you could bring a plus one. So suddenly you're like, I thought I saw you last year. Well, they would find a friend that didn't go, and then they'd be there plus one or something. So, yeah, it was it was fun and funny. Well, it's funny how, you know, now today's looking forward's looking for this new experiential way to get people involved in the hobby. And you were doing that years ago. I mean, when you could bring someone to Detroit and they could get on the Dearborn Proving Grounds and they could, I mean, get a factory tour, which is we can't do that, you know, get, touching and seeing the whole thing there live, uh, talking to a real engineer, uh, not a talking head and, and j- just experiencing that. I know we have the, the F-150 factory tour in Dearborn, but it was just something magic about the Mustang plant. And Nick, what you guys did to bring it to life for enthusiasts is why we have such a huge following. It's why I know Mike Ray could not, how many times did people call you? We got to get into the tour. You were constantly getting in trouble trying to, I don't know how you, even the plant manager would talk to you, Mike, because you had all far too many people trying to sign up for the factory tour. Yeah. that You know, and I still get asked that today. Are we ever going back to do that? And uh, that was just a very, very special time. And, uh, many many thanks to team mustang and john savona who was the plant manager at the time then um just opening the doors for us and uh to make it happen and team mustang was definitely behind that uh for sure to support us and um it created memories that people will never ever forget yeah we kind of miss it now but you know uh then uh, when svt went away and nick i went to ford racing and tried to work on their uh enthusiast outreach program we did uh Inside the Oval, I did SVT Enthusiast Magazine, and then we wound up doing Fast News from Ford Racing, which today is Fast News from Ford Performance. But we kind of lost track of Nick, and then we thought, well, some good engineer with a lot of passion is going to wind up at some big program. And then we found out, Mike, that he's on you know, super duty, the, the golden uh, cash cow Ford. Well, let, me, let, me, let me get in here, Jesus. I know Nick will uh, back me up on this. If you can work to Super Duty, you can do any vehicle there is in the Ford lineup. Is that right, Nick, or what? Totally true. I'm going to tell you, they do not mess around on that team. That's a very, very strong team. A lot of people that have been a part of it for a long time. And again, they're enthusiasts in the sense that you've got people that they do a lot of towing. They do a lot of construction, right? The people that are actually Ford engineers and uh, designers and program managers, they do this stuff in their personal lives. And so that's who that team is kind of assembled with. And uh, we are definitely number one, far and away, and uh, they're never going to relinquish that title. So, yeah, it's a stout team. <laughs> well, you know, I remember when I saw that, I said, oh, darn it, you know, as much as Nick, I'm sure the experience was very valuable for you. And, um, and I know Mike was working on the truck program, too, over at the agency. But then I got to the point where, you know, I kind of lost track of you. And then when Ford Performance came about and Dave Peristack came in and my boss became some guy named Henry Ford the uh, Third. Uh, then I found out, you know, you, you were still working on GT. You got back on the GT500. Your body engineer in GT500, and you were doing arrow and all kinds of cool things. So GT500 um, really took off. I mean, it really it became 
it wasn't just a high performance Mustang anymore. In a way, Nick, you were building a supercar out of a Mustang back then. Well, yeah, and it was, uh, you know, what was interesting about 500, I mean, when I was in on the ground floor on the 07 car when it was still the Cobra. You know, we had finished up SN95, and then, of course, S197 came along, and it was obviously just a great car because we got an all-new platform, much better foundation to kind of build on, and it was going to be the Cobra. And then uh, we actually paused the program because the Ford GT, right, the 0506 car, uh, we needed to get all hands on deck to get that launched. And while that was going on, because I was fortunate they called me over to work on that program, the discussions with Carol Shelby started again. And we realized, you know, that was a relationship that we had to rekindle. He belonged tied with Ford. Once once that started, we quickly realized this is this needs to be a, a Shelby again. It needs to be a GT500. And uh, it just all the pieces fell into place. And, you know, that that early car was a pretty raw car. But look what it spawned after that. I mean, every year after it got better and better, it uh, punched above its weight with a lot of supercars out there. We ended up getting the three fifty, the GT three fifty going, and I mean, when you look at the GT five hundred we're building today, it's an amazing, amazing car. And a lot of engineers actually that were on that original 07 car and worked with an SVT uh, stuck around and, and worked on all the cars after it, all the GT five hundreds after it, and all the way up until the one we're building today. So, you, yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of people it. that you know, Nick, you're so right. I remember when the transition came and Edsel kind of walked in with uh, Carol. We got to hang out with him for a while, and he signed a bunch of stuff. We told a bunch of war stories. But then when the 06 SVT Mustang Cobra didn't materialize, we knew something was up. I remember just a few months ago, some internet historian come up to me and said, well, you know, when Carroll Shelby designed the 07 GT500, you know, the, he, he was an engineer on that. I said, did you know the engineer on that car wasn't Carroll Shelby? I said, it was Ellen Collins. <laughs> Ellen Collins's car. And he goes, who? Ellen Collins did the 07. They didn't realize that 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 was born in SVT. And the fact that Carroll said that had he built a Shelby Mustang, that's what he had would would have built. I mean, that had to be a, a, a huge compliment to you guys at SVT Engineering. Ellen was my boss, and uh, at oh. the time for that, and she, you know, she was great. We had a great team, and it was definitely. I mean, first of all, again, we knew how important it was to uh, to get it right. Since we were putting the Shelby name on it, um, there was going to be extremely high expectations. And uh, I think, you know, given the tools at the time we had and the, the short amount of time we had, too, we put together a really great car. And it's always fun when I see, you know, see it at car shows. I cannot believe, you know, when I consider my age and the time and service I had at the company, how much responsibility I was given in terms of designing and engineering parts. And that, that again, that's what made SVT great was. You're, we're going to give you the autonomy. We're going to trust you. Mistakes happen, but don't make, you know, don't make the same mistake twice. Um, and don't, don't be afraid. Just go after it. And that was the attitude that everybody had. Yeah, it, it, it really, you think back and uh, what the GT500 is today. I mean, Mike, Mike's bugging me too to get Ellen onto the podcast. We're going to have to do that. I know she's still around. But Nick, the, the weird thing was that once so you saw the GT500 take off and Jamal took over it, and then Parasat got in and, you know, building that boss car, I, I was blown away when that car came out because I know you worked on the bullet and the, and the mock and the, and the bullet was a great car. But when the, when Parasat started working on the boss 302 and I had my first chance to taste the, the performance of that car, 
I was stunned that kind of was, that came out of mainstream. That wasn't a niche group. That was Team Mustang. How did they raise their game so high? Yeah, no, that's a, so that's a great story. I was fortunate to be on that team as well. And I want to back up a, a little tidbit. A lot of people probably aren't aware of. You might remember it. We actually almost made a boss back in 05, 06 timeframe um, oh, to the yeah. point where we made some prototypes with 5.4 liters. Um, I still have a program paper somewhere and we we considered it and i'll tell you what was good is we didn't build it and and here's why it wasn't going to be a good enough car to carry the boss name people recognized that other than shelby the boss name is as a sub brand if you will is super strong even in outside of the ford community and so when uh, when we had the opportunity with the new five liter engine you know the, the coyote engine that we launched in 2011 we knew that the foundation of that that engine was good enough to make a proper boss motor and then surround it with the right uh, chassis bits and and frankly we had a team of uh, dynamics engineers uh, that had a lot of experience with the platform some that raced in their private lives we had good relationships you know with the SVT team at the time and we had already you know been building off S197 platform for a while so and then with Dave, you know, being being the leader, and I think people are well aware of uh, how Dave manages things, right? Similar to Coletti, right? There's a common common story here, right? A yeah, story. yeah, absolutely. Um, Dave uh, assembled again a small group, and it was here's the goal. Here we're not going to compromise this, this, or this. That's just not acceptable, or the, we can't do the car. We just had this laser focus on what would make it a proper boss because we knew that we would be graded on that, and. Uh, and we were able to execute. And I'm, I'm telling you, that is that is a fantastic car. People still today, when they get in and drive it, and it's and it's everything, right? That's see what I always try to explain to people. I mean, I was fortunate because I worked in vehicle engineering a long time. It's about balance, right? It's not just about is this the quickest at zero to sixty, or does this right. have the right. the best uh, grip? It's the total balance of the car is what makes a great vehicle, and that's how we always attack these feature car Mustangs or the the, the ones that. Um, tend to be remembered the most is every single area of engineering has to be well balanced and work with one another. So that's aero, chassis dynamics, fuel economy, even sometimes, right? Because I mean, if you're racing a vehicle, you want to be able to stay out on the track. And so when you bring all that together, and then you have a leader that also understands what makes a great car great. When you think about Tom Barnes, who was the vehicle engineering manager for many, many years, right? He was kind of behind the scenes steering the vehicle engineering. That's how you end up with a product like the like the boss. Yeah, it was it to me uh, was it just blew me away that that was Team Mustang. That wasn't a niche group, but you know when you consider the players that were involved, you know I don't know if you knew this, but my supervisor back there at racing was Mickey Mattis, who had started at Ford when the SVL was trying to get into racing and tell the world that a two point three liter turbo was going to make it all happen and he was <laughs> yeah and he we actually worked on programs that had the boss 280 i mean they, they did renderings and i i thought to myself oh my god it, it can't there's no it's a boss 302 or a boss 350 i can't we can't do a 4.6 liter we just can't and when the five liter came out and then uh, that's when jamie allison was head of racing really wanted to get the, these cars and we did the mustang challenge series and then finally got them into racing because a boss 302 also has to go out and compete in a racing series. And I think that's what really closed the loop, not only the car did, that you guys produced and the fact that you did the Laguna Seca edition, but what a car that was. And then 
to see you guys go on and, and you know, as, you know the, the whole group going on to Ford Performance. And it's kind of funny how Coletti's thank you, if you will, for putting the SN95 together and saving the Mustang was, you know, he eventually got to wind up and doing the niche group at SVT. Parasacs, thank you for doing the S550 and saving the Mustang was he got to run Ford Performance. Yeah. I mean, I mean that that's the that's what their goal was. So it was kind of cool. But Nick, the question becomes, how do you make that? So, you know, we went off and did those things and we worked in Ford Performance and it was all new. It was all hands on deck for me for clubs and enthusiasts. And, you know, they gave me a couple of Mustangs to raffle off and thank God I had Mike Gray helping me on, you know, the rally call and trying to get word out about Club Connect and I had a real club guy that in my back pocket and Mike, you saved me billions of times. And then we find out that what happened to Nick, he's on the Ford GT program, probably the biggest secret program I've ever been involved with at the company. Nobody knew what you guys were up to downstairs. And then that when it came out like a, what the heck did Raj Nair come up with? Well, again, all the stars aligned, as they say, you know, planets aligned, as they say, um, and it was support from the very, very top. I mean, it needed to be, credibility was key. We had the Ford GT name and the, the general styling, right? So you know what is going to make the car look great, but it has to be credible. And the only way to do that was to go back and race with it. And what I think that team did so well was they made, you know, we kind of engineered both cars at the same time, the road car and the race car. And of course it has to be homologated. So it's got to share the uh, many of the exterior panels and stuff, but they recognized early on what it was going to take to win at Le Mans, right? But that, that was the key. Again, it's focused goals, performance, winning, and assembling the right people. And we worked with a great partner, right, that could help execute the car. And so, <clears throat> you know, Raj, um, you know, helped put together the team. Dave was, of course, um, essential to, uh, to helping lead the engineering on the road car. Um, I was lucky to be asked to come over and work on it. And originally I worked on it in a program management role of all things, which was not, you know, something I had done a lot, but, um, and then I, I was able to take over for one of the, the best engineers and fabricators the company's probably had Jim Dunham, who uh, retired during the program. They asked me to fill his roles, which was, I got to tell you, that was like special, um, follow Jim. But, uh, anyway, you know, we, we had that same type of attitude, which was open, be candid, have your fights, whatever. But what's the goal? At the end of the day, what is the decision that's going to make this make this car great and and make us win? And it was a very go fast program. I mean, that term also gets used a lot. But anything I've ever been a part of with the company and probably ever will be, that was the fastest with the smallest amount of resources I can possibly imagine. Amazing car. I mean, I mean, it's the holy grail of Ford, and the fact that you guys, fifty years later, go back to Le Mans, go up against the Ferrari cars, and this time, instead of going up against them with a 427 big block and just bowling your way through it, you go back up against them with the F-150 V6. <laughs> I mean, and, and you guys just, that that was, and then, the you know, the, why did we do it? Well, because we could. And that, that had, and the pressure, I mean, just the pressure. And, you know, all the Ford family was there. What an embarrassment that would have been, but you guys pulled that out. And I saw somebody douse Bill Ford with a whole bottle of champagne. They must not care about their job. <laughs> but, but that was, Nick, you just, I mean, you lived a golden life. And you know what? I remember Mike and I talking about this. We both said it almost at the same time that 
it just, you were the right guy. Couldn't have happened to a better guy because, you know, in the enthusiast world, when we need help and we can't get an answer for someone or the enthusiast needs help and we, there's no one at the company that can help us. And I've got so many Nick Terza stories that I'm going to put into the book that I'm going to do about you that, that you called back and you answered and you tried to help people. And that's what separates you from the pack. And I know Mike, you've had probably a million other things when you got stuck, who did you call? You called Nick Terza's. Absolutely. And that, like I said, this goes back to what I say all the time is that everybody asks me why Ford, why, you know, why did you choose Ford and all that? And it's, it's truly, it's the people. And we're, we're all true enthusiasts. We're all car people. We're not the textbook nine to five guys. I remember when uh, me and Schaller had a big thing and he goes, we're not nine to five, are we Mike? And I mean, it's, it's not that it's all the passion and it's the friendships. Like, to me, Nick is not uh, an associate that I worked with over there. He's a good friend, and I think everybody is, and I think we all feel the same about each other, and that's what creates the family community feel. And just even the words, like he was just talking about the boss. The way I describe the boss to everybody is it's the best balanced Mustang i ever seen, and Nick literally just described that exactly. And, yeah, it's, it's the people, though, like Nick and everybody else that's on the team, almost every name we mentioned tonight will always return our calls or answer us and always willing to help. Um, they're not too big or, you know, too great to lend any time or effort to help make the product better, make the experience for the owners better. And, you know, just to create and, uh, and push the brand. Well, and uh, Nick, you can take this, be proud of it. I know today the company's got a mantra that says treat customers like family. You've been doing that your whole career. And I know there are many listeners out here tonight on the Mustang Owners Podcast that have met you at some event or you were the guest speaker at the 50th or some way they interacted with you and they walked away with that same feeling, what a, what a, you treated them like family and with respect and you're just a true enthusiast and a credit not only to Ford Motor Company, but to every Ford enthusiast on the planet. And I really want to thank you for spending your time with us tonight. I know you've had a busy week and you just took a red eye back, but to give up your time and Talk with everybody on the Mustang Owners Podcast is really much appreciated. And I'm sure we're going to be talking more down the road. Well, you're very welcome. All the these nice words here, I'm sure that means you're probably going to ask for something else you need uh, tomorrow. But uh, <laughs> no, no it, it's appreciated. And I, I just, if I could take a minute, I mean, again, I'm here talking, but I can't say enough about the team, the teammates I've had over the years on all these programs. I mean, it would take me uh, an hour to read off the names, right? There's so many people behind the scenes that have that passion, that, you know, own the cars themselves. They believe in it. They believe in the customer. Um, it's really difficult in a big company sometimes where there's a lot of processes and there's a lot of checks and balances and bean counters and all that stuff. Um, but they work hard to find a way to, to make Mustang great, right? And uh, in all the cars we work on. So I've been lucky. I've worked for a lot of great managers. And none of this would have happened, really, if it wasn't, uh, you know, for my parents that pushed me to get my degree and uh, taught me about cars and, you know, just made sure I stayed on the right path. So, uh, yeah, it's it's been a heck of a run so far. When I retire, which isn't that much farther away, it's kind of amazing. 22 years already uh, have gone by a Ford. But uh, then we'll talk about the other stories. You know, you have to get me back on and we'll talk about the other stories. <laughs> oh, there's so many of them. That's for sure. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed our time with Nick Terzis. You know, all the cool things he's done. He's the right person to work on SEMA and planning and strategy because when it, when it comes to cool Fords, uh, we think of cool people like Nick Terzis. Again, Nick, thank you very much. 
Mike, thanks for suggesting, Nick. You know, he's, uh, you're right. We're going to be calling him several times between now and the summer. Uh, so, and I appreciate all of your input, Mike, and, and memories as well. And I appreciate everyone listening tonight too to the Mustang Owners Podcast. And we appreciate your comments and your time with us. And so look forward to hearing from you again and having you tune into the Mustang Owners Podcast the next time we have the Ford Performance episode. So until then, we'll catch you down the road.